Welcome to Women in Chemicals, Woman of the Week. I'm Amelia. And I'm Kylie, and we're joined this afternoon by Andy Nagel, CEO at ChemServe, Inc. Hi, glad to be here with you guys. This episode is sponsored by Boaz Partners. Boaz Partners is a globally retained executive recruitment firm providing companies with custom recruiting solutions in specialty chemicals, engineered materials, animal health, and the life sciences industry. Founded on the pillars of swiftness, integrity, and transparency, companies can rely on Boaz Partners for their vast industrial knowledge and proven search process to reach their talent and hiring needs. Great. Thanks, Amelia. And thank you, Andy, so much for joining us. And for our women in chemical community members that have been with us for some time, Andy has had the um, pleasure to sit and join us on our very first generation female panel, as well as being honored today as our women of the week. Um, so Andy, not only thank you for participating in today's interview, but thank you for all that you've done for women in chemicals thus far. Um, you've been a, a terrific asset to the growth uh, and the support uh, that this community needs to keep growing uh, as we want it to. So thank you. Um, Andy, if you could please introduce yourself to our community, tell us about your background and how you got to where you are with ChemServe today. Happy to. Um, my name is actually Andrea Nagel. I go by Andy. Always a great story because I <laughs> uh, graduated college and wanted Everybody said you have to be more professional. And so I went with Andrea and it wasn't very long till I realized, nope, that does not fit me. I am Andy and I will always be Andy. And again, I think that that comes to be true to yourself a lot in what we do, but I grew up in chemicals. My father was working in uh, ChemServe when I was a little child with, I have a twin sister and an older brother and dad was always on the road sales to Iowa, North Dakota, Wisconsin, gone for the whole week, coming back with samples. The funniest thing was he'd always uh, make shampoo for us. We get to pick which uh, scent was the week. It was always fun. Um, we always had uh, perfume to give to teachers for gifts because that was one of the companies we represented here at ChemServe. Andrea Aromatics. It was interesting that it had my name too. So I, I mean, my first memories at six years old is going into the office on Sunday with my father and because he had to get things done. So chemicals and chemistry is something I grew up with. And it was always fun to me. I never saw it as anything different. And the, the variety that he would work in with, with chemicals is also what interested me. He worked in the food industry, in the paint and coatings industry, in the paper industry. And I thought it was just really neat to see that one profession can go into so many fields. And so of course it was time for college and many of us don't know really where we wanna go into college. So I chose marketing, went to the University of Miami, as I call it, Suntan U, I, I joke about it. Um, great school though, and even better football team that actually wins their championships, unlike us in Minnesota. Okay, mm -hmm. had to dig in, dig in there, but um, 
So I went down to Miami, went into marketing. I uh, had a minor in, in market research as well. And I stayed there for a while. And my first job out of college was with State Chemical. And I sold janitorial chemicals, pounding the pavement, learning my sales and cold call. And that's all it was, is pure cold call. And I would just knock at everybody's door, everybody's business and sell chemicals. The hard part for me down there was the language barrier. I didn't speak Spanish and most of my clients were Spanish speaking. We got through the barrier because most of my clients were also men and not used to seeing women in that field. So in a way it was easier for me back then to, to break into that market. But I also knew I wasn't going to be able to stay in Miami unless I learned Spanish. So it was also an age for me to see where I wanted to raise my family. And I decided Minnesota was a wonderful place. So I moved home and I worked a few jobs and I was selling fresh fish and seafood for American fish and seafood when my father had called me and said they needed to bring in somebody to the office. They had let go of their office manager. And it was an interesting decision because I loved what I did. I sold fresh fish and seafood to all the uh, executive dining and the chefs we had, the food we had. It was wonderful. I really enjoyed the job, but I also was smart enough to know I need to take a step for my future. And being in a family-run business gave me the opportunity I knew I could have nowhere else. And I was also looking at having children at that point, and I knew I could have more flexibility in a family-run business than anywhere else. So I took the leap, joined the company, and started in the office and went to purchasing. And the only area I really never got into was sales because I just kind of ran with the office and took care of the regulatory aspect because really there was no regulatory when I got there. So again, so I came in, I really, you know, came in to bring the program and the distribution up to today's date. And that's where I think we are in this century. <laughs> yeah. So, so Andy, you make so many good comments here and I love the fact that you included how you factored in the non, you know, work and career goal-based impact on your decision to go to your family business that included your goal of starting a family and how you prioritized ensuring that you had that flexibility to be able to do not only what your career goals were, but to start this family outside of work. And I think that's so important to call out, especially with this community and, and the tremendous and terrific women that we have that are also raising kids right now while in an environment that has us all still at home, as you can see in my living room here. So. And that is the hardest thing for us women is, you know, we grow up being told we can have it all. Can we have it all? Can we have an executive career? Can we have three children? Can we have a husband that's happy? You know, we need partnerships in our life. You know, the spouses you have have to work with you. And I've talked to so many people where women are the executives 
and men are at home doing some of the things. That actually is what happened in my family later in life, my husband. Actually, it was easier for him to be at home to do some of the running around with the kids and have me do the work. So again, if, if you're having a family, the spouse you have has to be a good working relationship. Absolutely. Thank you for that. We've talked about that a couple of times in, in some of these interviews and I, I, it sticks with me. So thanks. So Andy, this next question references your tenure in the industry. So it is longstanding, 30 plus years in the industry. Um, and I, I'm not sure I heard how long you've been, you know, employed through the family business, but I'm, I'm sure it's significant and spans a couple of decades based on your experience. So how have you seen the chemical industry evolve in this time? Uh, in terms of the gender demographics that you've experienced from, you know, very early on in your career to what we see today. Um, and then there's a couple branch questions to that. And it's, you know, are we doing enough today to empower and support women in this industry? How can we continue to support women in this industry? Absolutely. Um, when I started in the chemical business, Definitely. And, and I go back to the name Andy. There are many times that people call me and think they're going to talk to a man very often. And it hasn't changed anything. It's not a problem. But when I first joined the, the company and we were pulled, not pulled in, I joined back in the NACD. I remember going to the meeting. My father had gone with me. I don't know if my brother was at that one. But he had to go to a different meeting. I went in myself to the first meeting. And I was a little intimidated by the three-piece suits and all the men. And, you know, I could maybe count four to five women, some in the association a little bit more. So, you know, that wouldn't stop me, you know. And, and the women that started, it wouldn't stop us. We'd go right in, sit down. I didn't was not treated any differently, but the, the evolution of how many women are in the groups now is amazing. And I think it's wonderful. And I'm seeing so many more women leaders, women in charge, women CEOs, women presidents that I didn't see before. And, you know, the other one thing, we're finally getting at the NACD, a woman president. So it's really exciting. Are we doing enough? Yes, I think doing groups like these is exactly what we need. We started a smaller group 15, 20 years ago. We didn't have the internet. I think you guys hit this at the right time when everybody went down and all of a sudden, wow, Zoom, Teams, it's perfect time to get this started. And I love how you guys did it with the one-on-one -on -one meetings because that really, is what I keep going back to, what I keep talking about, networking. And we all do so well with networking and you don't realize how long you keep your network. Your network is with you forever. And you can go into your, your phone book and find everybody. So this, your group is exactly what we need to keep doing. You make such a good point that I didn't even really realize in terms of when this started with Amelia and I, it was, you know, peak COVID pandemic keeping us at home and we needed to rely on the virtual and technological aspects of this to stay connected, right? Um, and and you're, I think you're right in that, 
you know, we, we may have had a lot of women, you know, itching for these types of interactions in the environment that made it a little bit trickier to do that or to seek that out. So that's a really good point. Amelia, I don't know if you have other commentary there. Yeah, I think the most powerful thing about our virtual networking um, initiatives is that you can really build like deeper relationships than you would build in a traditional networking platform. So like if you go to a trade show and you meet someone and you talk for a little bit, yeah, you can develop a great relationship, but you only see that person at trade shows or if you set up time to speak with them versus this kind of gives you an opportunity to facilitate deeper connections that you can keep coming back to, keep coming to our live events. You just bump into each other virtually, I guess, a little bit more often and in a way that's a little bit more intimate versus, you know, in a big networking live setting, which there's value to both, of course. But I think that has been one of the special things that our community has been able to leverage from this like virtual world that's come now out of COVID. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Andy, moving on to the next question here, we, we talk a lot about how we have had to, or we talk with our, our women of the week about how they might have had to find themselves, you know, vouching for themselves throughout their careers within this industry. Um, have you ever felt like you've had to behave in a certain way that was unauthentic to yourself because of your gender or your position in the industry? And how have you overcome that? Or how would you advise women in this community to overcome situations like that? You know, that's interesting because being in a small family business, you don't have to worry as much. I'd be curious how it is in a big corporation and how you have to handle yourself in, in certain situations. I grew up, I, I was always a tomboy. So coming into this business, working with the guys, I found myself just one of the guys mm -hmm. doing a lot of the guy stuff, you know, saying inappropriate things that we shouldn't. When we started, hey, when I first came in, it was the age of, uh, oh, oh, I'm trying to think, uh, the safety clean uh, post, uh, calendars, you know, where every warehouse and had their women calendars, if you oh. remember. So I like see you guys again, we are from different generations. <laughs> yep, this would be something I am un unfamiliar with, Andy, exactly. and surprised by. So every mechanical, anything, anybody who sold a warehouse person, they had sexy calendars to hand out. So of course, I walk into the business and that's up in the warehouse, the calendars. I probably let it stay up two to three years before I made some changes, <laughs> you know? So walking in and just changing that wasn't gonna happen. I laughed about it for a while. And eventually when we took the tack of being more professional, mm -hmm. was the words I use, I'm pretty good at what do we say in the Midwest, passive aggressive? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Being able to, to suggest how to get there, use the right wording, make everybody accept it. Yeah, so I guess what do you think allowed you to finally decide that it was time to kind of make some changes to, you know, towards this professionalism that you talk about? And, sure. you know, you, 
was it like your confidence in the relationships that you had built over time with these employees or, or, or how did you approach that change? You know, that's culture. <laughs> and in a small business, change comes from the top. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that probably that, that the change comes from me till maybe the last three years. <laughs> So again, I was reinforcing that attitude by joking and saying things. And I don't even remember when it hit me that that was not appropriate to me when it hit me that I didn't feel comfortable. And mm -hmm. honestly, when you, have the, when you run something, you can make the decision. And I took it down and said, time to get rid of them. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy. I mean, things have, have changed and, and you made a good comparison. So, you know, family run business versus, you know, more of a corporate organization, not even a second that I would even consider that being something to have to be aware of as a decision maker or a leader in the, in the space. Amelia, I, I feel as though you've commentary here. I'm just laughing at your reaction. I thought it was so funny, Kylie. You're just like, oh, but I think that Andy's right. And when she says that, like, by perpetuating it and like playing into it and joking mm -hmm. around, I sometimes find this with some of my customers, like, I mean, it starts innocently where they want to ask me like where I live and what I do and what I do for fun. And then 10 minutes later, they're asking me like, do I have a boyfriend? And it's like, sometimes you just have to set that boundary immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you perpetuate or play into it and, and working in sales, it's kind of hard sometimes to make that, you know, very decisive, like I'm not going to allow this behavior to happen. But again, like the more I perpetuate it, the more they think what they're doing is okay. So it is important to say like, no, I, I'm not okay with this. Mm -hmm. I think that's super important. I think I'm a little bit detached from that in that you know, the conversations that I have are, you know, strictly business, but I'm not facing, you know, conference conversations and sales calls and, and trying to, to build those types of relationships as often as some potentially other, you know, sales roles or, or whatever other roles might experience that type of exposure would be, but it's definitely something to be more cognizant and aware of right away. In, in starting these conversations and building those relationships and understanding, you know, where you set your boundaries and, and the direction that you want to take those relationships. One of the other culture changes we're working on right now is uh, flexibility. Mm -hmm. We always had the flexibility, but, um, you know, we, everything's PTO and time and, you know, I'm finding I'm more flexible with women employees then and, and not that it wouldn't be flexible with men employees but they don't ask okay and 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 they know that I can be flexible I had one gentleman who had to go home every day to work with his son at schooling during COVID mm -hmm. and I'm like of course you can take two hours to go do that so again I think traditionally women used to ask men didn't so I'm trying to change it that everybody understands We've kind of go, gone over some PTOs and I'm trying to figure out a way to add it, making it official, making it in line with the business decision mm -hmm. that works for everybody. That's equal for everybody. 
Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. I'm, I find my culture starting to give a little more to the women and that's okay. Again, as long as I'm, I'm a proponent, as long as the work's done, mm-hmm. you can work whatever hours, when hours, you know, we're a warehouse. So we do have hours set, but um, some people do have more flexibility. It's tough. Sure. That's, I think her. go ahead. That's, that's almost backwards to what you hear in like mass media where women get passed up for promotions because bosses expect that like, oh, they're going to get pregnant. They're going to be out mm-hmm. for nine months and then, you know, whatever, they're going to want to leave early. So like, usually if a woman is a little bit better than a man, you see all these studies and all these media reportings and books about this, that if a woman might be a little bit better than a man, but they need to promote one of them, usually they'll promote the man because they think that he is more willing to work these long hours. So I love that you are proactively giving your female employees this flexibility and saying like, this is okay. It's fine. You can prioritize your family because I think that's one of the reasons that we still maintain this gender gap. I think they've been talking about it and, you know, shedding light a little bit more on how in some industries and some specific areas in the job force that it's harder to find employees right now because they've had this flexibility that they've never experienced before over the last 18 months to two years. Right. And so it's a very hard sell to get new employees to fill your open requisitions if you aren't adapting to the flexibility that's been experienced over the last 18 months. So the conversations continue. And I mean, from a corporate organization standpoint, we have conversations all the time, very consistently and regularly to try to adjust as effectively as we can based on what our new normal is. Mm -hmm. So... So Andy, you participated, as we kind of said in the introduction, in, in a lot of women in chemicals community events, um, activities, um, and, and kind of helping support us from the beginning. So um, we want to talk to you about what you have felt to be the most valuable part of participating in this community so far, uh, and why you would recommend this community to other women that might not um, be a part of our community yet, um, but, but we're hopeful to have them join. Yes. Uh, again, so many of these groups start out and they don't get the support they need to get growing. And maybe it's just something I saw in this group as you started and the way you took it and, and did the networking. And I think a lot of groups start as a group, but you kind of said, okay, this is one-on-one. This is talking. Let's get these people together. And it is a, just, just, I don't even know how to say it. Just impressed me when I read everything and started looking into what you guys are doing and your webinars and your Women of the Week. I've learned something from each person I've listened to. My one-on-ones, I've enjoyed so much and I'm learning so much. Again, like I, I told you something that happened 40 years ago, you didn't know. I'm learning mm-hmm. things, I mean, you know, how to talk to younger generation. I don't know if I learned it on my one-to-one, but I finally found out how to introduce myself by pronouns. 
I didn't know that. So again, it, it's for me, it's great reaching to the young, reaching to, I talked with a wonderful woman in Canada who lived in Greece. I just, it's such a great community. I've enjoyed it so much. And then when you, um, your next announcement for your webinar with uh, Michael Sherlock, is that how you mm -hmm. pronounce your name? Yep. Like that is, what a speaker. I, I'm really excited. I think she's going to bring a lot to this community. And when you're starting off in this industry, it's hard. But to know a group's there that you can turn to and get questions from is great. Something I didn't have <laughs> early. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's something that Amelia and I didn't feel like we had, you know, ourselves. And that's why we're here. And that's exactly the type of connection that we want to make. And I think that from, from my perspective, I feel as though my interactions, either in these interviews or in my one-on-ones myself, it's been so, maybe informal isn't the best word, but I would say that it's been like human. It has been a very human conversation. It is not strictly professional about what I do in my day-to-day -day and how I can help support them or they can help support me in whatever I need in my you know day job or my daily tasks. But it's also, you know, how we talk through what we do in our, just to get through the day and the difficulties that we're facing throughout the day. Um, and so to me, it has been so humanizing and encouraging. And I know that I'm not alone. And like you said, I always feel like I have a group of people that has open ears and can share their experiences with me to help me feel like I'm not alone. I do have to say, I, I am having a, my one-on-one -on -one this week, and it's a, a repeat, and we are excited because we both have questions for each other. So. There you go. Again, yes. And so at first I was like, maybe that was a mistake. And it's like, no, I like that. Mm -hmm. So even if we get repeats, that's wonderful. Yeah, a lot of my conversations, I feel like we don't have enough time. And we always talk about, you know, maybe let's continue this, even aside from whenever one-on-one -on -one gets, you know, scheduled next. Absolutely. So, Amelia, anything to add on that? No, I think you pretty much encapsulated everything I was thinking. I mean, I wanted this because I wanted the support system that I didn't have in the industry. And this has turned out to be exactly that. And I love that, like, if ever an issue or supply shortage or someone needs a contact to XYZ, I'm like, oh, I know this person from Women in Chemicals, I can connect you. Right. Um, and just aside from that, like, you know, our industry has been going through such a tough time. And like, if all else goes to hell, at least I know that like, I can focus my attention on Women in Chemicals and it's gonna be a positive experience. So at the end of like really bad days, I'll just like, log in and, and do something for women in chemicals because that makes me feel purpose. Like we're like actually doing something good. Mm -hmm. That's great. It means you're doing something right with this group. And it is crazy times. I just, yeah, there's, you guys are seeing nothing anybody's ever seen. So coming to any of us older people for advice during this pandemic, no. <laughs> I, you guys I know as much as we do. Yeah, I say it's a great, um, kind of a great resume builder. I guess they're like the amount of times that I hear throughout the day, you know, Kylie, this is nothing I've ever experienced in my entire time, you know, in my career. Um, and, you know, I think 
I'm very much a positive thinker and I'm always thinking about, you know, there's always light at the end of the tunnel here. There's always positive to come out of this. I work in the supply chain. Um, and so the visibility that we have had to uncover because of the environment that we're trying to work through right now mm -hmm. is unlike anything we've ever had before. So I am hopeful that that will help us into our future and, 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 and be the benefit or the light at the end of the tunnel that I kind of need right now. And it's conversations like these that also, and Amelia and I talk about this a lot, we leave these conversations uh, a bit refreshed and, and in, in the toughest of days, so. Absolutely, you are going through the hardest time, so more power to all of you getting <laughs> it through. And when we do, you will have grown more than anybody. <laughs> yeah. I agree. So as we wrap up here, Andy, we always like to close out with um, offering up the chance for you to provide any advice, recommendations, um, mottos to live by, books to read, podcasts, anything that you feel worth sharing to our community. So I'll open it up to you. You know, <laughs> manage your life, give time to yourself is, is a big thing that I didn't do very often in that really hectic time of life with kids and everything, you don't have time for yourself. You really don't. And I think it was my mother that finally said, go get your nails done. Just mm -hmm. take an hour away from that craziness, just give to yourself. So that would be one of the things I would say, you know, people read, everybody reads books. I look for escape <laughs> on the weekends, on vacations, haven't even hold up books in a while, but I, I'm, I'm a trashy romance novel reader. <laughs> I can't help it. It's like my full escape from anything that I just, it can pull me away from everything. So I, I would love to say I do podcasts and the only podcasts I've listened to are yours. <laughs> hey, we like to hear that too. That's great. It's, you know, again, figure out how to, to find Days off for yourself, because for me, that is the hardest thing to do. You know, we take work home with our phones. We take mm -hmm. our laptops on vacation. We don't get away. And I think that's the one thing we need to find for ourselves. Give yourself vacations. Mm -hmm. My boss keeps telling me to do that. And do it. I think I need to take that a little serious. You myself. do. And, you know, I was always the one person you go on a vacation and I always needed a vacation from a vacation, <laughs> but you know, you figure out how to do it. And even if it's the weekend, unplugging and, and go kayaking for two hours, just something that, that makes you happy. Uh, we go sailing. So we have little oh, amazing sailboats on medicine Lake. So my husband sets it up. We get the kayak, the dog, the sailboats, and it just, kind of nice to get away. Yeah. Perfect little escape. And it's not too far away from home. I like that. Exactly. Well, Andy, it has been a pleasure today. Um, I want to thank you again, not only for today, but for all of your support and your active participation in our community. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much. My pleasure. And thank you both to everything you've done for the community. <laughs>